Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing victims, volunteers, and change. So y'all really seemed to love the episode that I did to say goodbye. It was sort of like my tribute episode to Tit Not Han. I went over some of his quotes and I thought I would repeat that, but for a different person today. This time I want to share some quotes with you from Dr. Robert Anthony, and he has written over 15 books on positive thinking and success. He has a PhD in cognitive psychology. He does hypnosis. He calls himself a change artist. And I thought I would share some of his quotes with you today and break them down. So here we go. Here's his first quote. It's a long one. Your intention sets the universe in motion. The universe flows in the direction of your intention, and so it is important to be clear on your exact intention in any situation. If you are absolutely clear as to your intent, your subconscious success mechanism will support you in getting there. Most people encounter problems in creating the kind of life they want because they have not clearly determined where they want to go or visualized what it is going to look like when they get there. Those who lead purposeful, successful lives do so because they have set up in their mind a clear picture of what they want to create in their lives. Now, this is a very important concept for listeners of this show. We are highly sensitive people. We are survivors of chaotic and dysfunctional childhoods. It's an easy hole to slip into for trauma survivors to just kind of process the past and stay with old trauma past the point of process. We have to balance looking at our old wounds, looking at our history, while we strengthen the ability to be in the present moment. We also have to put energy as we heal and grow, not just into figuring out what our problems are, what the traumas were, what the effects were negatively. But we also have to give some energy to dreaming, to creating, to visualizing, whatever we want, to allowing ourselves to even want is its own big success. 
One of the traps that we can fall into as highly sensitive people is over-focusing on what we don't want, what we don't want to recreate. This is a trap of focusing on what we want to move away from, wanting to move away from what's bad or hard or difficult or sucks our energy. Think about driving away from a big city to go to a new place. If my focus is to get away from Denver, to drive away from Denver, to just get out of Denver, I can totally get away from Denver. I can just pick a road and go. But at some point, I'm going to turn around and go, where the hell am I? Where am I going? A life built on getting away from a place or getting away from responsibility or getting away from narcissism or toxicity, it doesn't tell us where to go or where we want to go or what we want. So as we heal, we can give time and energy, positive energy and time to creating what we want. We can value envisioning that's not a waste of time. It's a good use of time and energy. And we can build towards what we want, not just running away from what we don't want. Your intention sets the universe in motion. All right, next quote. Robert Anthony says, forget about all the reasons why something may not work. You only need to find one good reason why it will. So when I read this quote, forget about all the reasons why something may not work. You only need to find one good reason why it will. What I hear and connect with is our our whiny inner child, our resistant inner child. It's as if the child looks at a dilemma and goes, I don't want to do it, but I'm tired. It's too hard. I can't do it. No one else has to do it. Why do I have to do it? I'll get made fun of. I'm not good at it. It's scary. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to get it wrong. So much resistance. So many reasons why things may not work. When we're in This dilemma, when we notice the resistance of our inner child, when we notice that we're giving our energy to what possibly won't work instead of what possibly will work, we can call in the wise woman or the wise man. We can tap her in or him in to take care of the inner child. We can reach down, look at our inner child and say, I know it. All those reasons, all those reasons why it won't work are there. I hear them, but it'll be a good growth experience for us to do this. We can do it. We can make it work. And it's a good enough reason to show ourselves that we can do this. And then we let our wise woman or our wise man hold that boundary until the thing that needs to get done gets done. Till we let go of that resistance. Forget about all the reasons why something may not work. Can you hear how that's such a waste of our energy? It just keeps us stuck. It keeps us the same. It keeps us unmoving. It keeps us in the known instead of facing the unknown. You only need to find one good reason why it will work. All right, another quote. I love this one. The universe is like a river. The river keeps on flowing. It doesn't care whether you are happy or sad, good or bad. 
It just keeps flowing. Some people go down to the river and they cry. Some people go down to the river and they are happy. But the river doesn't care. It just keeps flowing. We can use it and enjoy it, or we can jump in and drown. The river just keeps flowing because it is impersonal. And so it is with the universe. The universe that we live in can support us or destroy us. It's our interpretation and use of the laws that determine our effects or results. What Robert Anthony is talking about here is mindset. Who are you at the river of life? Who do you want to be? This reminds me of an exclusive episode we have on the Patreon from about a year ago. Chris and I and Gusto last summer when we went on a road trip, I, I did something a little crazy pants on vacation and I put Gusto, my standard poodle, into a tube and I sat in a tube and he and I floated down river and Chris was with us, but Gusto and I floated down the river just peachy keen, happy as clams, having fun. We were good. And Chris flipped over. He had a really hard time. And we all floated down the same river. But my husband thought he was going to die. And if you want to hear him share that story and the wisdom that he pulled out of that experience, you can go listen at Patreon right now. But this is so true of so many of our life experiences. A big part of what you hear me talk about on this show is how to make our lives easier. And so many people wait for the river to stop flowing or the river to get easier to cross or they're waiting as if they don't need to build a boat and float. When we just deal with life as it is, we can look at that river and put our energy into, hmm, what am I going to do about this river? How do I use this river? This quote is about taking our lives and deciding how to work the different elements of life to our advantage, to the best that we can possibly make the experience of whatever cards we were dealt. It's smart no matter what we were dealt, whether it's fair or unfair what we were dealt. We can take the reins of our life by making the absolute best out of our circumstances, and that is really how we change our circumstances. It's how we start to have fun on the river instead of resent the river, fear the river, stay stuck because of the river, don't take any risk because of the river. Here's another quote from Dr. Robert Anthony. Most people would rather be certain they're miserable than risk being happy. This is one that's very close to my heart because I recognize in my own life that I have risked so much for happiness that I have refused to be miserable and I do believe that refusal has saved my life. Here's another quote from Dr. Robert Anthony. The sad thing is that even though we know our lives aren't working in certain areas, we are still afraid to change. We are locked into our comfort zones, no matter how self-destructive it may be. Yet the only way to get out of our comfort zone and to be free of our problems and limitations is to get uncomfortable. Isn't it interesting that in trying to not be uncomfortable, we will choose to stay uncomfortable? This is why so much of our psychology isn't really logical. 
because that logic does not hold up. That is like one plus one equals 17. This is also part of why I know for some of you, some of my episodes are very uncomfortable to look at some of our psychology, to practice personal ownership, to figure out where's the line between me and you and where do I need to take my power to empower myself This is very brave work. It's confronting work. And this is the work of people who basically somewhere inside of them, even if they don't know how to form these words, they are operating from some sort of calling that basically says, I will risk things to be happier, to have a more fulfilling life. Listeners of this show are people who are willing to change and not choose miserableness Here's his quote again. Most people would rather be certain they're miserable than risk being happy. I am so glad and proud to be weird and strange and different, a feely human, a highly sensitive person that's 15 to 20% of the population. The truth of this, if this is true, that most people would rather be certain they're miserable than risk being happy. I want to be in the camp of risking being happy. And I suspect that you do too, even in your most frightened moments. I've been thinking a lot lately about healthy risk, about how life asks us to risk over and over and over again to have a good life, to not shrink down and back down in our lives when loss and disappointment and betrayal so easily can push us back and make us shrink Healthy risk after we're hurt is so courageous. And this can become a radical act of rebellion in this life. One of the things a long-term relationship partner said to me when I was very unhappy in relationship, he looked at me and just kind of said nonchalantly one day, well, you know, my dad kind of just says that once you're with somebody long enough, You just decide to stick it out no matter how you feel. And that became a nail in the coffin of that relationship because I realized in that moment, ooh, I am not complacent like that. I have been fighting my whole life. I had been then and I have been now until I didn't need to fight anymore. To have goodness, to be willing to change and to not be complacent. I love this about myself that I have refused this complacency. Sameness for the sake of sameness? I don't know where that gets you other than sameness. And if the sameness that we're having is depressing us, our empowerment is leaning into the change. And that often means leaning into the unknown. That's the risk we take to be happy, to be more fulfilled, to be more satisfied as human beings in this one precious life. I can honestly tell you that from this position in my life, I'm 42, every risk that I've ever taken to change, to grow myself has genuinely paid off. And it didn't always seem like it was paying off while I was in the thick of it because that's when we're using our energy to actually move through, to get to some kind of other side. It's only from the other side that we can turn around and look back and have a perspective, have a sight that helps us see that this view from the other side, once we're through it, we're relieved. 
It's worth it. Whatever our it is. I'm going to read his quote again. The sad thing is that even though we know our lives aren't working in certain areas, we are still afraid to change. We are locked into our comfort zone, no matter how self-destructive it may be. Yet the only way to get out of our comfort zone and to be free of our problems and limitations is to get uncomfortable. So I hope in so many healthy ways, this show and my voice, all of my work helps you be delightfully and healthily uncomfortable at times for this very reason. Here's another quote that really, really resonates with me. We will always be attracted to the situation or person that we need in any given moment in order to learn whatever lesson that we need to learn. The most important thing is to learn the lesson quickly, let go, and then move on. This quote sends chills down my spine with its truth. The way I've said it for years of my work is that we don't get to choose the lesson. And that might sound contradictory to the quote I just read, but it's not. What I've meant by that over the years is that I, like many of you, I would have liked having a life where what attracted me was challenges like learning a new instrument or riding a horse or doing a marathon. And I am certainly attracting those things now. But for many years, coming out of a very chaotic childhood, I was attracted to what I needed even when I hated it. Because I was attracted to what I needed to learn, not what I wanted to learn, what I needed to learn. So for a very long time, I was attracted to people, to relationships, to situations that needed to teach me that I could say no that I could be resilient, that I could let go, that I could move on, that I could use my power to choose my life, that walking away is allowed, that I am my own authority figure and I give that to no one. I needed to learn these lessons. They were not enjoyable lessons to learn, but I needed them. And now that I can internalize the wisdom of these hard-earned lessons I'm not attracted to situations and people that hurt me. In fact, I repel quite naturally people that years ago would have hurt me, that I would have let in, that I wouldn't have had boundaries with. And that ability to repel what I once attracted is what also tells me I don't need to learn those lessons anymore. They are learned. They are integrated into who I am. They are part of me now, and I never have to learn them the hard way again. That is the freedom and the beauty of leaning into this hard work. One of the things I tell a lot of my clients and have had to tell myself over the years is that no matter how hard we work, it never really seems quick enough. And we learn to make peace with that timing over time. I left my first very destructive and very dysfunctional romantic relationship after almost eight years of being in it at the age of 24. What shocked me most after I left was that the feedback that I got from many women who were older than me asked me, how did I get out of it so quickly? Seven or eight years. Everything is relative, y'all. My slow as molasses to me 
was part of me being so hard on myself and part of my relativity that at 24, that had been such a large chunk of my life. I was sad. I was grieving the time that I had given that relationship, but that's the time that it took to learn those lessons. Like it or not, it took what it took. Truly, when we learn these lessons, we are no longer attracted to those same things because those lessons get learned and integrated and it's over and it's done and we get to move on to new lessons and hopefully lighter lessons. I needed a second marriage to dissolve, to teach me more lessons that I hadn't learned in the first. That second divorce really taught me to trust my gut and to let go of the deeper people-pleasing that I just hadn't let go of. I know those lessons now. They are inside of me. They're part of me as much so as me knowing my first name. It's a very special piece knowing that I never have to learn those lessons again. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Here's another quote. Total self-confidence is built through positive expectations. You can build positive expectations by knowing that you have the power within to overcome any obstacle that lies ahead. So many people have a magnetic attraction to the past. They save mementos, clippings, old letters, and trivia. There's nothing wrong with this. But if you want to succeed, your mind must focus on where you are going, not on where you've been. Instead of saving mementos, clippings, old letters, and trivia from the past, it would be more productive to make a scrapbook with pictures of where you want to go and what you want to be in the future. One of the things that Dr. Robert Anthony is talking about here is in having a healthy expectation. I teach a whole lesson in the boundaries course on expecting expectations. That's what I call it. What Dr. Anthony is talking about is putting the expectation, not externally. And that's what most of us do. We expect a boss to act a certain way. We expect a partner or a child or even a pet, a dog or a cat to act a certain way. We expect traffic to get out of our way so that we can have a good day and not be frustrated. Those are all what we call external locus of control. And what we know about that when people expect outwardly, they're not the happiest of people. Happier people have what we call an internal locus of control. 
And that's what Dr. Anthony is talking about in terms of expectations in this quote. He puts the expectation on the power within. He says, you can build positive expectations by knowing that you have the power within to overcome any obstacle that lies ahead. That is a faith in your resiliency, a choice to lean into the reality that as a human being on this planet, you have already been through so much. Pulling from that wisdom, that hard-earned wisdom, those lessons earned to give yourself a faith in you, not that life is going to make all the traffic go away and you have a smooth ride to work, but rather no matter what the traffic does, you get to show up in your day and in your life with a positive mindset, with a positivity that you have the power within to manage your mood to align with what is a gratitude practice instead of a problem focus. Many, many highly sensitive people who are also survivors of dysfunctional childhoods wind up holding on to a lot of the past. It's easy to do. There is almost an endless amount of stuff to process from back then, isn't there? You can still have your process. You can still name, have talk therapy, journal about the things from your past that are impacting the present, that can be released from the tissues in the body, from the mind, from the heart, and you can start scrapbooking your future, using your mind's imagination to envision what would be lovely, beautiful, soothing, exciting if you want excitement. Really, whatever you want. Talk about some inner child work. When grown-up you can say to your inner child, hey, I'm working through all this hard stuff. And we get to dream. We get to intend. I'm building a really good life for us. That is a safety and a security that I have with myself that not even my very healthy relationship can give me. It's something that we learn to give ourselves on the healing path. And when we have it ourselves, it helps us not lean into the codependency of, hey, partner, hey, potential partner, you make me happy. This is how we learn to satisfy ourselves, to be in self-respect of this one precious life. Here's another. Never be afraid to expose a weakness in yourself. Exposing a weakness is the beginning of strength. Y'all, I still have fear when I change, when I grow, when I face something that's vulnerable or scary. Even every time I release an episode, it's infinitely easier. I have more flow. I'm more comfortable on the mic. I'm more comfortable sharing my voice. It's still scary. I'm still an introvert in my heart and in my being. It's in facing the fears that pop up every day that I'm forced to see my strength. How do you see the strength in yourself without admitting weakness? Think of the most abusive person you know in real life or in a movie or TV. Do they ever admit or show a weakness? The ones I know don't. 
What happens in our lives if we embrace our inevitable, flawed human nature? Our nature of having different weaknesses because we can't be strong in everything all the time. What if we have more power in admitting our limitations, our weaknesses, our growth edge? And that power in admittance helps us strengthen them. What do you think about someone who never admits weakness? Do you admit weakness to yourself or to other people? Do you give yourself a hard time if a weakness comes to the surface? Does the word weakness even make you cringe because I'm using that word? Are you able to name weakness or limitation with self-regard and self-respect? Or is that so patterned with shame? You might not know yet how to name a weakness with self-regard and self-respect. Superman does really well to know about kryptonite, right? Would we respect him if we were watching Superman when one of those villains brings kryptonite around and Superman tries to act like a tough guy? Oh, I'm unaffected. Ah, screw that kryptonite. Doesn't affect me. How ridiculous would that be to watch Superman going on about he's fine. He's totally fine around this kryptonite. Superman kind of turning into that dog meme that says it's fine. It's fine. While the whole world burns around him. What a ridiculous thing that we think it's smart or wise or strong to never admit a weakness. When we name the weakness, just like Superman, we gain strength. We start to really deal with what is instead of some kind of ideal. We start to use our energy to have tools to work with whatever our weakness is or to work around it or to get away from it like we see Superman do with kryptonite. Next quote, hoping and wishing are excuses for not doing. Ooh, I'm going to say this one again. Hoping and wishing are excuses for not doing. I think this is so much of modern activism of just hoping and wishing and yelling into the void of what should be, what utopia anyone would like. Many, many people out there pay a therapist, a trainer, a nutritionist, maybe a psychic, a doctor. They talk to their friends, but they just don't do anything from the talking. When talk therapy circles and feels unsatisfying, it's because there isn't a whole lot of satisfaction to be had in the talking. We can have satisfaction talking, but there's a limit there. The satisfaction, the real deep down satisfaction is in the doing, not the talking. So we can tap in our wise woman or our wise man when we feel our inner child start squirming. You ever try to tuck a kid into bed at night? Man, they have so many effective squirms. They got to pee. They need some water. One more story. Wait, they forgot their stuffed animal. They're just stalling. We can learn to notice our stalls. And as adults, we do that with a lot of hoping and wishing. And these become excuses for not doing. So we can tap in that wise woman. We can tap in that wise man. And they can do what needs doing just in the next hour. And then the next hour after that. AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, has a saying that says, 
just do the next right thing. Because it's not just hoping and wishing that are excuses for not doing. Thinking becomes another excuse for not doing. We don't need any more excuses for not doing, y'all. What happens to your life if you just go into action and let go of talking? Here's another Robert Anthony quote that goes along with this one. If you want to know what your true beliefs are, take a look at your actions. Often as highly sensitive people, we think about our thoughts and we sort of separate from our actions. We think that our beliefs are even in our thoughts. But what if our beliefs, like Robert Anthony is saying, show up more in what we do? If you want to know what your true beliefs are, take a look at your actions. An Al-Anon saying, which is sort of the sister group to AA, says, turn down the volume and look at the behavior. Look at what you do in a day. Maybe write it down. Look at where you're wasting time. Look at where you're distracting yourself. Look at where you're escaping. Ask yourself, do you value the escaping? What are you not doing and how do you do it? Here's another quote. Low self-confidence is simply a problem of awareness with a capital A. Once you are aware of the truth, capital T, about yourself, you will be able to understand why you are the way you are and most importantly, learn to love and accept yourself. This is spirituality mindset. The big A, awareness, is a choice to be aware in a bigger way than of just yourself. It's so easy for our ego to get all caught up in the mistakes we made today, who we forgot to call, the meeting we were late to. Maybe we flipped somebody off in traffic going to work and we're shaming ourselves because that's our inner child acting out. It's not our best higher self behavior. It's easy to get bogged down into the little human mistakes that we make. Growing a spiritual relationship is in part about being able to zoom out and have a bigger awareness with a capital A that there's a higher power bigger than ourselves. To me, that's inarguable. That higher power can be in a something. It doesn't even have to be defined. For me, it's energy. It can be the sky, the universe. The sky, energy, the universe are all things bigger than me. That is a choice to lean into that bigness connects me with the feeling of something divine. This is part of why I believe religion has been such a part of the human experience since the beginning of time, because there's something in us that needs this spiritual belief. Life is too hard sometimes. It's too much to feel alone and disconnected. What if, just what if, this is a bigger truth Big T truth. What if the big T truth is that you, me, all of us, we are worthy simply because we exist. We are connected to each other, to everybody that is alive right now through the energy of our aliveness, that spark that first made our heart beat that we all have through the human condition. It's very hard to believe this big T truth, this big A awareness, especially if our inner child is at the helm listening and taking this in. 
This is very difficult for a neglected or abused inner child to understand and believe in. When our parents weren't safe, if our parents didn't feel very connected, if our parents didn't see us, understand us, be a soft place to fall, our inner adolescent might say, now I'm supposed to believe in some bigger T truth, some bigger A awareness when I couldn't even get that to the people that I was born to. Yes, that's why faith is a choice. That's why a connection to spirituality is a choice. The truth is that we are all connected now and through the history of all of our ancestors, whoever were. What happens if you start to allow yourself some permission to believe in just something bigger? Even if it's the love of your pet, or even if you never define it. Low self-confidence is simply a problem of awareness with a big A. Once you are aware of the truth, big T, about yourself, you will be able to understand why you are the way you are, and most importantly, learn to love and accept yourself. You are worthy simply because you are. You get to be purposeful in this life. And part of that purpose is loving yourself so that you can find and be that purpose. And a purpose is enough to be big and giant. There's plenty of purpose in waking up and having a beautiful day. This is the last quote that I want to read to you. And it's the reason I was researching Dr. Robert Anthony. There's a quote that's been with me for years that I didn't realize was his. And this quote fried my brain probably the first dozen or two dozen times that I heard it. And I had to turn it over in my head on repeat until it started to make some sense. So if you hear this and go, wait, what? And it needs to marinate. I deeply understand. It's a very simple quote and it's very profound. Dr. Robert Anthony says, there are no victims, only volunteers. Now I hadn't processed my own victimization when I first heard this quote. So it infuriated me, made me irate. And if it pisses you off to hear today, you likely have some victimization to work through so that it doesn't turn into victim mentality. And if you didn't like just hearing that from me, then you definitely have some victim mentality to work through. This quote, there are no victims, only volunteers, is not saying we volunteer to be abused. And this quote is not blaming the victim. Though if you are suffering and it is a suffering with victim mentality, then you really might want, you might feel your ego wanting to use this quote to be angry. Angry at quotes, angry at me for saying it, angry at the field of mental health that says such stuff, angry to be handed your personal responsibility when you haven't worked through maybe being victimized. This quote, there are no victims, only volunteers. It means that after we hit adulthood, not before, as children, we don't have a choice. But after we hit adulthood, we do have a choice. And in every moment, we have a choice to change or to stay the same. When we wallow in the woe, woe is me, I'm being treated badly, becomes a choice to stay. When you give your energy to the woe is me, you don't have the energy to give to changing your circumstance, to getting out, to empowering yourself, to finding a way out, to creating a way out, to taking a way out, 
It's a choice to not give energy to the ego that wants to wallow in the pain and stay the same, dig its heels in. It's a choice to say no to that part and pull your energy away from the ego that'll suck it dry and put that energy into making a change. And as an adult, it is your job to own your own life. And if you are to not be volunteering for more woe, more hurt, more victimization, it is your job as an adult to change. And if that change needs more changing, to change some more. And if that change needs more changing, to change some more. And if that change needs more changing, to change some more. There are times where I screamed at the universe about how much I had to change, how unfair it was, how hard it was. That's okay. The universe can take it. Remember, it's bigger than we are, so it can take it. If we don't put energy into changing what we have the power to change, then we become victims of our lives. And in this way, there are no victims. There are only volunteers. I hope that there's something in this episode that helps you see yourself, your relationship with your inner mind, with your cognitions, with more clarity. I hope there's something in this episode that helps you own your empowerment, that helps you see with more clarity, simplicity, and ease that you have so much power to change your circumstances, even when your feelings and your ego tell you that you don't. We are complex creatures, and so much of our psychology is not logical. It's a paradox. It's confusing. What a thing to be a highly sensitive person and have to learn how to both listen to our feelings, take our feelings seriously, and also sometimes know when feelings are liars. That's why there's not just one formula for life or for healing or for healthiness. There's an art to living well. There's an art to communicating with ourselves and our feelings as well as to anybody outside of ourselves. If you want help and assistance and guidance with learning what it takes to have boundaries with these different parts of ourselves, boundaries with our ego, boundaries with our inner child, having a healthy relationship with inner expectation instead of external locus of control. We're about a month out from the Boundaries course starting for 2022. It starts October 10th. To learn more and to sign up now and spend six weeks with me teaching live where you can ask questions, you can interact, and you can have access to the material to continue to become a Boundaries artist for the whole next year. Come learn more and sign up now at emotionalbadass.com backslash boundaries. We have some changes that are coming up soon. They're exciting. They're a little scary for me. I'm looking forward to being able to share that news with you soon. Because as you're growing, I'm growing too. And that's what we're doing as humans on the planet together. We're all growing. We're all figuring it out. And we can all do that with a little more love, a little more patience, a little more self-compassion and compassion for each other. When we have healthy boundaries, we create the containers that help us keep things out and keep things in, and we become more peaceful, more rested, more fulfilled. Thank you all for listening and being on this journey with me. 
It fills me up from head to toe with a fullness, a richness, a gratitude. I'm so glad that we're on the planet together. This is a group of people in this audience who are working to be the change in their own lives, and there is a butterfly effect in the world. This really is, as corny as it sounds, how we change the world, y'all, and we are a powerful, highly sensitive, highly compassionate tribe. Light and love, and I will see you right here next time with another exclusive episode. I'm an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets mindful. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.